Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Petco Park in San Diego. It's the Cleveland Guardians 8, the San Diego Padres 6. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And the Guardians are at least able to salvage the last game of this series against San Diego with one of their weirder lineups that they've put out there of the entire season. Quan getting the day off, so Andres Jimenez gets to lead off. Uh, Josh Bell and Josh Naylor flip in the cleanup spot because it's a left-handed pitcher, so he drops Naylor down. Uh, that would not work out well for Josh Bell, who had one of his worst games of the entire season. Uh, Arias gets to start at first base. Uh, David Fry, oh no, Arias doesn't. Arias is out in right field. David Fry gets the start at catcher, and uh, and then Will Brennan and Miles Straw. To finish things out, why David Fry gets the start at catcher? Did Francona see something in the analytics that let him know that Fry was the hot hand to go with tonight? Did did uh, Fry maybe have success against Ryan Weathers when they were in the minors? No, none of that. Francona just said, and this is according to Hamilton uh, in the first inning. He said Francona said, eh, "Why not?" There you go. There's the analytics from your uh, from your Guardians coaching staff. Why not? The guy's been up here for a while. He's been a good, a good faithful member of the bench, you know, doing everything that's asked of him. Eh, why not give him a start? Now, it turns out to work out. I mean, in Francona's favor, he couldn't have imagined starting Fry and hitting him seventh would work out so well. But it does. Uh, Fry comes up with two big hits in this game, including the three-run home run to cap off the rally in the first inning. So, I mean, Francona, whew, talk about uh, pulling the right levers. Uh, absolutely, let's be honest, walked into that one. He got lucky. He There was no way he knew Fry was going to go off offensively like that. Come on. Fry has shown, you know, he had a decent spring. He's shown a little bit of life, but he hasn't gotten any opportunities. Clearly, this is his first start, and we're in June. And he's been up here for at least, what, two months? So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, a weird lineup, and it works. And the top storyline of this game, it's kind of we beat San Diego at their own game. Uh, definitely part of it. Uh, but then the other part of it is the extremes. The extremes were the big storyline of this game. Big crooked number home runs. Big monster home runs. Paired with weird little tiny infield RBI hits. So the extremes are the storylines of this game for me. The first inning, it was the big extremes. Right? Five run uh, first inning for your Cleveland Guardians. Uh, Jimenez, Rosario, and Ramirez all single. And then... Bell strikes out with the bases loaded. And you're thinking to yourself, and Frank and uh, Hamilton says it on the radio, if you don't get more than one run out of this inning, it is a failure to load the bases. You know, uh, I thought maybe Rosario would score on Ramirez's single. I'm listening, obviously, on the radio. And the way Hamilton describes it is that, you know, Rosario had to hold up, make sure the ball got through, uh, make sure it got down. So he's not able to score. So I'm thinking to myself, I mean, we just load the bases, but we just had three base hits in a row with no runs to show for it. That is the inherent flaw in the Guardians' offense. 
right? These guys are coming up hitting hard line drives at outfielders that do drop for singles, but, you know, Rosario can't score because he's got to make sure it falls. So you need, <laughs> you need even more hits to even get one run across, to scratch one run across. You need a fourth hit. It's not Josh Bell. He strikes out. Naylor comes through, though, gets a high fastball off of Weathers and uh, drives it out into center field. You know, when you see Naylor swing and miss at all these high fastballs, and he does a lot. He has swung and missed a ton at high fastballs this season. This is what he's looking for. This is what he's hoping for. This is what he envisions in his head when the bat leaves his shoulder is shooting one of these line drives back up the middle like that. So, uh, Naylor's able to deliver the RBI. Two runs do come across the score. We still have runners on. And uh, Gabriel Arias, I forget what he does in this first inning, but he gets out. And uh, it brings up David Fry. And uh, Fry delivers another high fastball. And I, I think it was a fastball. We can go to the matchup. Uh, but he delivers another, uh, not another, his first, his first major league home run. Uh, it was a high four seam fastball, 97 mile power pitch right at the top of the strike zone, but out over the plate. He turns on it at 105.5 miles per hour, 23 degree launch angle into the corner in left field, right up against the brick building, uh, 347 out there into the left field corner. Uh, let's see seven out of 30 ballparks. Would have been a home run in seven out of 30 ballparks. Progressive field, I'm guessing no. I'm guessing it hits off that high wall. Yeah, in left field. Uh, Wouldn't have gotten over the wall there. Uh, Freeman, Tyler Freeman learned his lesson about messing with that high wall at progressive field a few days ago against Houston. So Fry, with a shorter fence out there in left field, gets his first Major League home run. And how good did it feel? How good did it feel to finish the rally with the home run? This is what other teams do against us. And if we finally, it takes our third string catcher getting his first major league start for us to finally finish the route, the crescendo to the home run, the big finish with the home run of the rally. And so, yeah, it's a big moment in that first inning and a five, nothing lead. And you're thinking we're going to be untouchable. And then. I mean, Allen just comes out and immediately lays an egg in the first inning. Walks the first two batters. Fernando Tatis and Juan Soto, I get you want to be careful with these guys. I get it. It's a scary top of the lineup. But you cannot be walking the first two batters of the game. Then you're stuck challenging Machado, and uh, he makes you pay. A three-run home run. Three batters into the game for the San Diego Padres. It was a cutter. He gets a high strike, uh, a high fastball in for a called strike, and then comes in with a high cutter. And uh, Machado turns on it 110 miles per hour, drives it out to left center field, 23 degree launch angle, 408 feet. Uh, I'm guessing this is close to a no doubt about it uh, home run right here. But uh, he absolutely smokes this baseball. So suddenly, your five-run lead... Yeah, 30 out of 30 ballparks. I thought so. Your five-run lead has evap- you know, turned into a 5-3 game. A real... That's nothing. The way San Diego scores runs, the way they hit home runs, 5-3 is nothing for them. 
So we would have to put in a lot more work to actually get this W on the day. So we will continue to talk about Logan Allen in a little bit here, but I just want to then talk about the weird, um, the weird ways of scoring runs. So we do add another run in the second, which is great. Uh, Jose Ramirez doubles, dr- uh, drives one into the left field corner, uh, brings in Miles Straw to score. So that's great. Ramirez having himself a good game. Two hits in his first two at-bats. Hits this double at 109.5. In the bottom of the third inning, though, San Diego would answer back um, after uh, a single from Bogarts, a single from Kim. Nelson Cruz would fly out. uh, And then Brandon Dixon would ground out to first base. Bell would field it have to take a weird step towards home, maybe thinking about going home, but then has to dive back towards first base um, and has to tag the bag with his glove. Bogertz comes in to score and then kind of drops the ball, and Kim is watching him the whole time, rounds third, and basically steals home on Josh Bell, uh, who you know drops the ball, wasn't paying attention, and Kim is able to hustle his way around and score. You know what? I'm a fan of great base running, and that was fantastic base running from Kim. To find that little opening, I love looking for that. I love looking for that little opening on the base paths. A little bobble, and boom, you explode. Again, watch that replay from home plate. No hesitation. As soon as it clicks in his mind that he's got, he has a chance for home, he is off like a rocket, and he scores. Again, I always say that's the lesson. That's the lesson. It's it's about you can't second guess it. You can't think about it. When that switch flips in your head and you see the opportunity, you have to go like a missile for it. That's the only way to play baseball, the way Kim plays on this play, the way Jose Ramirez and Stephen Kwan play all the time. Um, you got to have that instinct right there. So... They're able to get two runs across in that third. And so your six to three, your nice six to three lead is now a six to five lead. God, San Diego's offense is so hard to keep down. Uh, in the top of the fourth inning, then, uh, again, I told you it was a matter of extreme. So Dixon hit that one at 58.2 miles per hour at a negative 45 degree launch angle. So we go from Manny Machado, or uh, yeah, Manny Machado hitting his at 110 miles per hour. To uh, uh, Brandon Dixon hitting one at 58.2 miles per hour. Then Ramirez comes up in the fourth inning. Uh, Brennan had doubled to lead off the inning. Ahmed Rosario had singled. Jose comes up. (laughs) He chops one to Machado at third base. 57.5 mile per exit velocity. Negative 56 degree launch angle. And Machado's just playing back. He comes charging in. His only hope is to try to barehand this thing. And he can't pick it up off the grass. So what what was his exit velocity? Ramirez was at 109.5 in the second inning. He was at 104.8 in the first inning. And here he comes up with 57.5 mile per hour exit velocity. And gets an RBI single in the fourth inning to make it a 7-5 game. So extremes we are playing at the extremes in this one um man they'd get to um they get to eli morgan in the fifth inning uh grisham would double uh to right field arias would pin himself against the wall he's actually lucky that uh 
that more runs don't come in to score because he pins himself up against the wall and uh, the ball rolls past him and he's got to charge for it. So bad defensive play. There were some bad plays late in this game and I'm going to kind of run through them here in a second. Uh, But Arias, you know, I, I said it was a weird lineup and this is one of the reasons why. Like so many guys aren't really in their best position. So, you know, Bell starts at first base. So it pushes Arias out to right field. Uh, David Fry catching uh, as he's he's a a utility catcher. Let's be honest. Catching is not his main position. Uh, He's more of a, he's also a corner infielder. So everybody's just kind of not playing their best position around the field in some spots. Brennan moves from uh, right field to left field, a place he hasn't played very often, but I think Brennan could play all three outfield positions. So he just moved around a lot of pieces tonight, and there were some defensive gaffes because of it. Bell here uh, letting that runner score. Um, And then uh, Arias here overrunning the ball, getting pinned against the wall, and having to chase it down. Luckily, Nelson Cruz was the runner and not very fast, which... Uh, San Diego would learn their lesson later in the game where they try a bunt attempt. They try a sack bunt attempt and Nelson Cruz gets thrown out at home plate. San Diego actually runs themselves out of multiple innings in this one. They, they have a chance for a lot more, but they run themselves out of innings. One is a sack bunt attempt with Nelson Cruz running on third base. Why, of all runners, why are you expecting Nelson Cruz to beat out a squeeze bunt, a sack, you know, a sack bunt, and try to score from third? The dude is four, what, 42, 43 years old? What are you, what are you asking him to do that for? Uh, so that was a really strange decision from San Diego. And then uh, Soto runs himself out of a possible run. He tries to steal third and gets thrown out. It goes to review, but he's thrown out, and uh, they get the call right. Uh, and then, uh, I don't even remember who was up, delivers a single through the left side that would have scored him from second. So, you know, he pushes the his luck a little bit. You know, I get that they're an aggressive team, but you were already in scoring position, and you, you took a run off the board. I, would it have been the deciding run? No. But you took a run off the board right there uh, by getting thrown out at third. So... Some bad base running decisions by the San Diego Padres kind of help out Cleveland's bullpen. I mean, San Diego wasn't taking their foot off the pedal very often. I mean, is there one? I think it's one inning here. They go one, two, three. Uh, I mean, leadoff double in the fifth inning, a leadoff double in the sixth inning. Uh, that's the Juan Soto leadoff double. Okay, so he it was Machado strikes out. He tries to steal third and gets thrown out. It was Bogarts who singled. Uh, in the left field in the sixth inning that would have scored them. Uh, they do go one, two, three in the seventh inning. Uh, I believe that was Trevor Steffen in the seventh inning. And then he continues on in the eighth. Uh, they get it for Tatis on by, via the walk, and they even get Odor on via the walk in the ninth inning. Uh, I know Class uh, A got squeezed on some calls. So one inning this entire game, do they not have a base runner? Do they go one, two, three? So... San Diego was keeping the pressure on all night, and it would have gotten more interesting if they hadn't have made those base running mistakes. So Arias's mistake led me into those mistakes. Um, so yeah, I think I think we covered it all. I think we got it first through ninth inning there. 
Uh, let's talk pitching really quick because Logan Allen does have his worst game of the season. He was coming off a game against Houston where he also gave up five runs. His line on this one, he only lasts three innings in this one. Not good. Four hits, five earned runs, four walks, two strikeouts, one home run allowed in that first inning, only 77 pitches, and he's hard hit five times. He just, its he wasn't missing the strike zone more than average, but San Diego knows how to battle, and they know how to take their walks. I believe they said at the time of the game they were second in the league in drawing walks, and Logan Allen definitely continued that trend. Um, four walks on the day. He hasn't done that. He had not walked more than two batters in a game this entire season. And he has four walks in this one. So his last start against Houston, he got hit around a lot. He does go six innings in that one, but gives up nine hits and five runs. This one, he still gives up five hits or five runs, but it's only on four hits because of those four walks. It's his lowest strikeout total of the whole season with only two strikeouts. I was trying to see what the difference was going over to his player breakdown page. Uh, They say he was in the strike zone 49% of the time. Couldn't really find the strike zone with the sweeper or the changeup. Missed the most with those. The fastball was in the strike zone 63% of the time. The sweeper and the changeup both in the 30s as far as finding the strike zone. So it evens out to a 49% in the zone, which is actually what he is uh, on the season. Uh, that's what he's been averaging on the season. Uh, 40, where is that stat? Uh, yeah, 49.9% in the strike zone. Uh, the chase rate was the thing that was a little concerning. Couldn't get him to expand the zone. They're a very good discipline team. Normally, the chase rate for him is 30.8 with a 55% chase contact percentage. Uh, in this game, they were outside the zone swinging at only 21% with a 75% outside the zone contact rating. So it wasn't getting the whiffs, wasn't really getting them to expand the strike zone, and even if they did, they were at least able to make contact or follow it off or something. So uh, that's kind of how it adds up to all these walks for Logan Allen. I'd say the sweeper kind of let him down on this one. Doesn't have a single whiff on that sweeper. That's a pitch that has a 30-plus percent whiff rate on the season. It has a 30.1% whiff rate on the season, and he got zero swing and miss on that sweeper, which tells me he wasn't really locating it very well or where he wanted to. So that's kind of what was going on from Logan Allen. But give credit to the bullpen. They come in. I know they're a tired bullpen. I know they've been working a ton. Some names I feel like we haven't seen in a day or two at least. Classe. I can't remember the last time Stefan pitched. Um, but Sandlin, Eli Morgan, Cody Morris, Trevor Stefan, and Emmanuel Classe combine for six Innings of one-run baseball. It was Eli Morgan who got into a little trouble in the fifth inning. I got to say, that's 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 pretty impressive from your bullpen, right? I mean, to go six innings and put up one-run baseball, that is a... I mean, it would be a quality start for a starter, right? So we got to call it a quality relief appearance from the bullpen right there. Uh, special shout-out to Trevor Steffen, who goes an inning and two-thirds. Someone was going to have to go, you know, more than an inning. And uh, he lasts an inning and uh, two-thirds. Classe cleans up the eighth inning, finishes it off before coming in and dealing through the ninth. 
Uh, so, uh, Cody Morris with two strikeouts out of, you know, in relief. Does give up two hits, but has two strikeouts in his inning uh, in the uh, sixth inning. So, uh, yeah, good work from the bullpen right there. Uh, frankly, their bullpen had to work too because Ryan Weathers had a terrible day. One, point, one and two-thirds innings. Gives up seven hits, six earned runs, no walks, two strikeouts. So they were hitting him. Uh, the home run allowed on only 43 pitches. Uh, he's only hard hit five times, but they hit him enough. They definitely got enough off of him. Uh, and he was just all high fastballs. Weathers was just throwing a ton of fastballs at the top of the zone. And whether they had the scouting report or they were just feeling it, uh, they were hitting a lot of stuff at that top of the zone. Let's see here. The in-play out, uh, no out, and the in-play runs uh, for Ryan Weathers. Mostly fastballs. A couple of, yeah, four of them are, I would say, are above the belt. Uh, high fastballs there. Two of them are kind of middle-middle. And then a change-up away to Ahmed Rosario in the first inning that he got his single on. So mostly fastballs they're hitting off of Ryan Weathers. Uh, so yeah, so that was what was going on in this game. I think I think that pretty much sums up this game. The Guardians hang on, but they really had to do it, uh, you know, San Diego's way. They had to load up on some hits here at 14 hits for the Cleveland Guardians and uh, eight runs. So thank God the offense decided to bring it today. And uh, that home run? That home run ball, man, made a big difference in that first inning. I mean, how many times have we seen other teams put up crooked numbers like that against us in the first inning? It felt really good to do it to another team. MVP on the day, we got to give it up to David Fry. Oh, man, come on. First major league start, first major league double, first major league home run. A huge day for David Fry. Definitely a day He's not going to forget. Did he earn himself some more playing time? While we all sit here on Bo Naylor watch, and my God, that conversation is just, that was cooking through Guardians Twitter and and Guardians podcasting and radio spaces uh, in the last, well, I know it's been going on all season, but especially in the last like 24, 48 hours, it's really been hot and heavy. Uh, But does David Fry get more opportunities while we wait? While we sit here and wait for the front office to decide that Bo Naylor has had enough pitch framing practice to be ready or whatever pitch receiving practice, whatever whatever ridiculous reason they came up with in that statement of why he's still down there at AAA. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Fry gets some more opportunities. I, I'm curious to see what he could do over the course of two weeks, maybe. Uh, if it's not going to be Bo Naylor time, why not? Like Terry Francona said, why not at this point? Because uh, you're getting nothing from the other two guys. And he, and he was, you know, he was pretty solid defensively. He, he did a decent job catching. I don't know if those walks are his fault or Logan Allen's fault. I don't know if we can hang that on the catcher, David Fry. So with that, Fry, he's taking home MVP on the day. All right, before we wrap this up, let's go over to the email inbox and just check in over there. Jeff with a G, Jeff from Columbus. I guess he was watching the uh, some of the other games going on, the Tigers and the Twins I know we're playing today. And he said, this division is trash. Hooray, this division is trash. Meaning, yeah, I mean, Minnesota is what, game over 500? We, we, it could be to a point where the entire American League Central division is under 500, which is ridiculous 
I don't know if the rest of the AL East and West are just that good or we're just that bad. Probably somewhere the answer, as Zach Meisel loves to say on the Selby's Godcast, the answer probably lies somewhere in the middle there. And uh, yeah, so I mean, we could it could be one of those years. I mean, what was it, 97? I believe, didn't we win the division with like 86 wins? Right? It was something ridiculous like that. It was arguably one of our worst teams of the 90s. And man, they got hot in the playoffs and, you know, rode that to game seven of the World Series. Could there be another season like that where legitimately 85, 86 wins can win the American League Central? And you'd, you'd be looked at as the, you know, you wouldn't be ranked last in the playoffs. You know, it's not like... Uh, not like the NBA and the conference, you know, rankings, uh, standings, but most most teams, most pundits would look at you as the bottom rung of that playoff ladder there. So, um, yeah. So uh, it's the American League Central. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it shakes out by the end of the season. We at least have been playing some good games against some teams recently out of our division. So that at least, you know, taking two out of three from Houston, it's encouraging. So uh, thanks, Jeff, for the email. Uh, Marlon checked in with his report on the game. Uh, Marlon from Birmingham. He was asking me about uh, Allen and Bybee again, and and both of them kind of struggle in this series, and asking about attacking the zone. Uh, You know, what would the the coaching staff have Allen start throwing more out of the zone? He walked four batters tonight in order to keep the opposition guessing. If they do, how will this impact them? If he's a pitcher who's known for pounding the strike zone, as you alluded to. No, I, I don't think the answer is throwing more out of the zone. I think the answer is definitely you got to make that sweeper. You got to be make him honest with that sweeper and with that changeup. Uh, I, I think he needs to hit attack the strike zone even more and not be afraid. Trust your stuff. You can't be a Tatis and Machado and, and Soto and Bogarts and even Nelson Cruz. They're going to get theirs. They're going to. They will, even if you throw one out of the zone to Tatis, like, uh, was that last two games ago? Even if you throw one out of the zone up and into him, he still can pull it for a home run. So missing the strike zone is not the answer. The, the answer is attacking that strike zone early, then getting them to expand the strike zone with that sweeper, with that changeup, once you're ahead in the count. But you got to get strike one in there. You got to come after these guys. Uh, and yeah, you might give up a home run. You might, but I mean, if you stay out of the middle of the plate, I mean, Bybee was in the middle of the plate. If you stay away from the middle of the plate and uh, you can attack the edges, that's the name of the game. That's that's what makes Bieber so good, right? He hits that outside edge. He can paint that fastball and that cutter on that outside edge. So you got to be able to hit the right spots in the strike zone. It, at the major league level, it gets down to that kind of minutia, that kind of detail, right? If if your kid's in Little League right now, you're just hoping he gets it over the plate. You're just telling him to get it over the plate. By the time he gets to high school, maybe he starts to refine it a little bit. By college and the minor leagues, you got to start, you got to hit some real tight windows with those pitches. So to be able to throw in the strike zone and keep it away from the middle, middle-middle pitches, I mean, that's why they get paid what they get paid. That's why they're the best in the world at this, right? Because they can do it. We can talk about it. We can do it in video games. They can do it in real life. <laughs> that's why we look up to them. That's why they're the best of the best. 
Uh, so no, so definitely the the goal for Allen and Bybee is got to be to continue to attack the strike zone. And once you do that, you will continue to get that. You will then get that swing and miss when you expand the strike zone late in the count, when you have the count in your favor. Um, so yeah, so thank you, Marlon, as always, for your email. Um, he's looking forward to the matchup against Arizona. He gives us, he always gives me the pitching matchups coming up. It's going to be, uh, McKenzie against Zach Gallen, which will be interesting. Hopefully McKenzie has a bounce back. Hopefully Cam Gallagher is catching him and not Zanino. Do not put McKenzie and Zanino together. Bieber is going against Tommy Henry. I think Bieber, I think he uses Gallagher now. I think that's a combination for that Bieber is requested. I, I thought I heard that on one of the broadcasts. And then uh, it should be Bybee against Zach Davies to finish out. Let's take two out of three, Marlon says, and get back on track. Come on, Cleveland. So thank you for the emails, everybody. Remember, you can reach out and be part of the show, Mornings at gmail.com. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't, don't sign off yet. I just got to announce that I've, i got to do more traveling. In fact, I'm going to be gone all week which means I'm going to do episodes from the road. So they're going to sound a little bit different. They'll probably be a little bit shorter. Uh, You know, I'm just going to throw on the Beats headphones and record that way. So you're not going to have the good podcast sound, but I'll do my best. I'll do my best to give you some quality episodes from the road, but I got to do a lot of driving. So I'm not going to do a, uh, a Saturday morning episode. There'll be no Saturday morning episode. I'll do the same thing I did when I get to where I'm going. We'll do a double header episode uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, you seem to love that actually. Uh, that was a great episode. So we'll do it again that way. I appreciate you understanding. Look, when I started this podcast, it was a lot easier. Uh, now it's a little more tricky. So, uh, I'll hit you up with that doubleheader episode. We'll talk. Don't worry. We'll talk throughout the week. Cleveland baseball mornings. I, I, I gotta, ha- I gotta have an outlet to talk to somebody about these games because the people I'm going on vacation with probably don't care too much about Guardians baseball. So I got to have some outlet. You know, I'm always keeping my eye in the game. I always got it on. So uh, stay tuned for that. Remember, no episode Saturday morning, doubleheader Sunday morning. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. You get the final again. It's your Guardians 8 on a slugfest, uh, Guardians 8, Padres 6. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.